going to look at one verse in the Bible this morning. That is John chapter 1. John chapter 1 and verse 16. So if you'd turn there, if you would, in your Bibles. John chapter 1 and, and verse 16. This is actually from a sermon preached by John the Baptist. In verse 15, it says, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This was he of whom I spake. He, hath come, he that cometh before me, I mean, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 16, this is our text. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. One more time. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. It is the Christmas season, and uh, you can't go into a store nowadays, and you're going to see all these different things. You want a gracious home for the holidays, right? Uh, that means pleasing. Uh, I looked up the de- definition just to make sure I had it, and one of the interesting things of gracious was of a pleasant odor. And, of course, uh, the candle stores and the scent stores and the perfume stores and all full of odors. The only problem is you get too many in the room at one place and it's no longer any more pleasant, is it? Uh, <clears throat> but the point is, how many of us would say before the Lord and others here, I could use a little more grace in my life? I mean, grace... Is the answer, is it not? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Where do we get grace from? God gives us grace because He is good. God is gracious to us. And as John is teaching about Jesus, he he gives this in the middle of this little uh, very short sermon, actually. It says, and of His fullness... Have all we received and grace for grace. Now, this idea of his fullness, I mean, we sung those hymns. Oh, come, let us adore him. Hark the herald, angels sing. It talked about that he is the Godhead seed. Now, we do not use that term very much anymore, capital S-E-E, but that is an English word and it refers to deity and should only be used of God himself because only God can see everything. Yet, if you'll go over to Manhattan, you'll see a, a sign up there that says, the embassy of the Holy See to the United Nations. That's, that's a pretty incredible claim, my friend, for a man to make. But when it's talking about Jesus, that's not a claim at all. It's just a statement of truth. Amen? Only Jesus, only God can see and understand everything. And we come here today to worship Him. And it tells us, and of His fullness. Now, If your Bible's still open to John chapter 1, we're going to look at a lot of different scriptures, but everything is we're going to use the Bible as a commentary on itself. I'll tell you, when you get to that last little phrase, uh, and grace for grace, the commentators, they go nuts. Uh, I mean, you just have so many weird and sundry ideas And yet, I believe that if we'll just follow these words, we'll find out that it is an absolute, simple understanding. One that we can get a hold of and one that we do need to get a hold of. But let's talk about his fullness first. Verse 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace... And truth. And then John goes on to quote the sermon of the other John, John the Baptist. And and that's where our, our text comes from. But the Word, 
Now, how do we know who the Word is? Well, go back to verse 1. In the beginning was what? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. He is the Creator. You know, people like to take that verse in Revelation that says Jesus is the beginning of the creation of God. And say, see there? See there? He was the first thing created. And I want to go, see there? See there? He was where creation came from. Amen? Uh, that's what the Bible is teaching because it agrees with this verse here. And without Him was not anything made that was made. He was already in the beginning with God. He is the very God of gods. And yet, he chose to be made flesh and dwelt among us. Can you imagine? Now, Mr. Wesley, the writer of Heart the Herald, Angels Sing, his theology isn't just quite all there. It says, mild he laid his glory by. Jesus never did lay his glory by, because then he would cease to be God. What he simply did was he covered it up. So that he could walk with us. You know, we have all kinds of stories of important, powerful people who take upon them the role of of an ordinary peon like you and I, a nobody, and they come and they live among us and they make an amazing discovery in almost every story that those lowly people are actually pretty nice after all. Well, you know, it wasn't that way with Jesus. He already knew everything about us. And he lived among us so that we could understand one thing. Only God could live in this world without sin. Only God could love us so much as to put up with us. You know, the thought came to me, and it'll probably show up in another sermon here before long, but there's a lot of gainsayers talking about Jesus' second coming today and how that the idea of a rapture for the church before the tribulation begins is, is hearsay and all of this. But I want to put something in front of you today. Did the Pharisees... And the scribes and the priests. Zacharias was, was one of the priests. He believed in God. He lived. Not all of those guys were bad guys. Nicodemus believed in the Lord. But let me tell you something. They could not have seen Bethlehem's manger coming if they had lived a thousand lifetimes. God hides his plans. He executes them in a way that demands only one thing from you and I today. Faith. Amen? Faith. You see, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1. And we'll read verse 1 to get the context. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand 
of the majesty on high. We're talking about his fullness. The express image of God, of his person. If we will learn anything at all from the time that Jesus walked on this earth, it is mankind does not want God. They saw him. They saw the miracles that he did. They realized that he was different than any one of them. He looked them in the face and said, Which one of you convinces me of sin? Which one of you can have anything that you can lay to my charge is breaking God's law? And what did they do? Picked up stones to stone him. Themselves attempting to break several of the commandments of God. Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. Thou shalt not kill. All of these things. These very men who thought they were upholding the law. When they were brought face to face with who God really is. His fullness. They refused to believe that he is God. You see. God was not trying to impress us. That's why Jesus wasn't born in a palace. Amen? God wasn't trying to use human tactics. Matthew one twenty three. it says, His name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. You talk about the power of Almighty God. And yet Jesus wrapped that up in human flesh and kept it so well hidden that when the Pharisees and the scribes looked at him, they said, you, being a man, make yourself God and we're going to kill you for their blasphemy against God. And yet Jesus had just told them, if I were to say I know I'm not, I'll be a liar just like you guys are. You know, I love the Lord Jesus Christ. I love the way he treated those that hated the truth. He was not cruel. He was not vindictive. But my friend, you'd have to be blind not to read the words of this Bible and understand who Jesus is. In fact, I would say this. You would have to choose blindness. If you're going to read the pages, it says, and of his fullness. Let's go to uh, the book of Colossians chapter 1. The book of Colossians chapter 1. Philippians, Colossians. If you got to Timothy, you're too far. If you're still in Ephesians, keep rolling. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to read several verses here, starting in verse 15, talking about Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in heaven, things in earth, or things in heaven. You see, when we talk about his fullness, all creation came from him. How can you get any fuller than that? This universe, the best that we can measure it, we believe that it is 13 and a half billion 
light years across in diameter. We have yet to try to measure the depth and the full expanse of space, but light travels at 186,000 miles per second. And so if we could start at point A and travel at 186,000 miles per second for 13.5 billion years, we'd reach the other side of the universe. Now that's the best that we can measure. And where did it come from? It came from Jesus. I'd say that's pretty full, wouldn't you? All fullness. That's, it's just The word full just means full. It means it's completely filled. Everything that is comes from Jesus. All fullness. If we just take a moment and review Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, All things that pertain unto life and godliness, how do we get them? Through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You know, we need to stop and just ask a question this morning. What are you seeking in life? What if Christmas time people want to think about, well, boy, if I could just have anything I want, what would it be? And don't tell me you don't think like that. As human beings, we do. My children, Daddy, what do you want for Christmas? I want union to be open. Well, Daddy, I can't give you that. I know. You pray, all right? And then, Daddy, what do you want for Christmas? I want the furnace to work, all right? It's been broke since Thanksgiving. We're trying to get it working here. Uh, replace it, actually. And, and, uh, and uh, so, uh, but Daddy, I can't do that. Well, that's okay. How about you pray or hand me the tools, all right? But really, what are you seeking to make your life everything it ought to be? If it's not Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you, you're looking in the wrong direction. If it is not Jesus Christ, you're never going to find what you're seeking for. The devil is the greatest carrot dangler in the world. How many of you know what that's talking about? Have you ever been out in the Amish country? Uh, they love to use those uh, mules to pull their little carriages because they're strong and, and they'll uh, go for a very long time. And, but mules are very stubborn animals, if you haven't found out yet. And, and the old arm, we don't know who actually invented this trick, but sometimes a mule will just stop right where it is and you couldn't move it with a two-by-four. I mean, you could come up there and just curl it, and it's not going anywhere. But if you'll take you a nice long stick and tie it to the fat end of a big carrot and just put it over the end of his nose and let him get a little nip, that mule will travel from here to the Pacific and back trying to get the rest of that carrot. Now, every once in a while, you've got to get them a little bite. And that's the way most of us live our lives. The devil's dangling the carrot. It's what you want. What you think is going to make your life nice. What, what is the answer to your, the riddle of your life? Let me tell you, the answer is Jesus Christ. His fullness. That's all you need. Why can we not be satisfied or why will we not be satisfied with the fullness of Jesus Christ? He worked the plan of salvation. And how does he do that? The passage we just read. He is the head of the body, his church. Do not, do not fall. 
for the lie of the devil of this universal invisible body of Christ that stretches all over the world. The body is the local visible assembly. The best way I know how to describe it is if you have all the parts of a body in the same room and they're not connected to each other, what do you have? It's called an autopsy. Right? If you have all the parts of a body in the room and they're all connected to each other, but there's no life, it's called a cadaver or a corpse. A funeral. But when you have all the parts in the same place connected to each other and living, it's called life. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You cannot be a part of the church until after you have his life. Because God doesn't want us adding dead things to a living body. Amen? He builds his church by saving souls. And I'm glad today the baptistry is full and we're going to baptize two people at the end of the service. That is an answer to prayer. You see, that is the fullness. When we surrender to live for Jesus His way. That's the fullness that he's talking about. It says, And of his fullness, the Creator, the source of all creation, every good thing that you could ever imagine, if it doesn't come from Jesus, it's not what it seems to be. And it will not give you what you ask for. It says, And of his fullness, have we all received. Now, there's many, many reasons why I love my King James Bible and will never substitute it for any modern inventions, not even the new King James Bible, which is one of the poorest uh, excuses for a translation. When we talk about even scholarship and things, I actually met some of the people who sat on the translating committee and Tell you this, not impressed. I've read the stories of the men that translated this one. And I'll tell you, God brought together a group of men and we have a Bible. And yes, this verse is worded most difficult. And of his fullness have all we received. I'll tell you, I actually could not read that verse straight until I memorized it first. Uh, because you just want to rearrange the words, and of his fullness we all received. No, it's of his fullness have all we received. You see, that word have is present tense. Do you know that even those that hate Jesus and hate the Bible have received of his fullness? What are you talking about? Does God rain only on the crops of Christians? Or does he send rain on the earth? The beauty of the earth, is it only closed to the eyes of those that truly believe in Jesus? Or can anyone look at the beauty of this earth in which we live? Look up into the sky at night and see the glories of Uh, How many of you have ever seen some of those pictures that they take with those telescopes floating out in space? And and, uh, uh, I finally figured out what they do is they actually take the different cloud densities of dust and they color it different ways. And and in the uh, development of the photography of that and the designs and the glory and the beauty, I mean, you have Neptune almost completely blue, and Jupiter with all of its rings and its big eye that runs around. They say that's the the world's largest, uh, the universe's largest hurricane over 600 miles across, and it hasn't blown out 
in human recordable history with winds of thousands of miles an hour swinging around in that thing. I don't know how they figure that all out from here. Maybe they don't. Maybe they just make it up. I'm not sure. But their minds that are supposed to know these things. Let's turn to Titus chapter 2, if you would. And this gives us a little understanding of of what it means here. Have all we received. Have is present tense. All is everyone. We receive this fullness that God has shown and God is. We start in verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. You see, His fullness is there. Read Romans chapter 1. All you have to do is look up in the scar, into the sky at night if you can get away from the city lights. And I'll tell you what, you have to understand that there is a God. If you're going to be that foolish, about the only way I know it can be done is you have to go to school and somebody has to train you. Uh, that kind of foolishness does not happen by accident. It only happens on purpose. And yet, even the most wicked and the most vile person walking the face of this earth understands the next verse, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly righteously and godly in this present world. How many of you have ever felt guilty for doing something wrong before you were saved? That is the fullness of Him that filleth all in all, knocking on your soul's door. Will you give up your sin? And trust me as your God and your Savior. You see, have all we received. These, why do you think they play the music so loud? Because we want to drown out that voice. Why do people sin so willfully and so purposefully? It's because with their plans and their works, they're trying to drown out the fullness of Him that filleth all in all, and they're trying to seek their own path. But I'll tell you what, you can't get away from it. Why do you think they scream so loud when someone holds this Bible up and says, The sexual relationship is for a man and his wife in their marriage, period. Why do they go crazy? It's because of the burden of the guilt in their own soul, knowing that what they do to please themselves is an abomination in the sight of a holy God. And it drives them mad. And yet the only purpose that God does that is because He's trying to draw them away from their sins and away from themselves to Himself. I've heard people say, especially since 9-11 happened here, well, the problem is religion. Well, I would agree with you to a point. if, If we could just put one adjective in there, The problem is false religion. Because true religion before God and the Father is this, to help the fatherless and the widows widows and the fatherless in their infliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. If we had a little more true religion, we'd never had a 9-11, now would we? You see, and of his fullness have all we received. 
I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 13 for a moment. Matthew chapter 13. And Jesus is explaining to his disciples, they ask him in verse 10 of chapter 13 of the book of Matthew, Matthew 13, verse 10, And the disciples came and said unto him, unto Jesus, Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that he hath. Do you get what's being said here? You see, we're transitioning now into this last part of this verse. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. You see, God has a plan. He has a method. When Jesus taught, and sometime you ought to do this, is just read the parable. A sower went forth to sow. And some of it fell on the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some of it fell in the thorny ground and grew up and some of it and was choked by the thorns. And some of it fell in the... Uh, rocky soil and sprang up immediately because there was no depth of the soil and it withered as soon as the sun got hot and some of it fell on good ground and brought forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. Amen. Let's go home. And it's a pastor, that, that wasn't much of a sermon. Where's the application? Can, can you explain that to us? Well, Jesus was teaching in parables. You see, he had a purpose. These are not fables. A parable was something that only Jesus used effectively. And here's what he did with it. Those that were willing to learn, he gave them more information and a greater understanding and he drew them closer. And to those who had already rejected him, he gave them more and more excuses not to believe in him. He drew those who wanted to come to him closer and he pushed those who didn't want to come farther away using the same words, the same emphasis at the very same moment. I want to challenge you, only Jesus was a master of that type of communication because only God could do that. Because it was the Holy Spirit working in the hearts of the hearers And as Jesus was teaching those parables, it says, And of His fullness have all we received. Do you realize that His fullness will either draw you closer to Jesus or push you farther away? I have a concern over souls that come and sit in our services. We have people that will sit and, and, and not move on the truth of the gospel. Uh, they'll, they'll say, well, listen, I'm saved, but I, I'm not ready to get baptized and join that church. Well, listen, that if you want his fullness, that's where you're going to find it, is in the church. Because that's God's plan for your life. I've said this, and always somebody gets mad at me, but I'm... I want to. I have a responsibility to God to bring forth the truth. If you're not right with a local church, you're not right with God. And the idea of a local church, and the reason we use that is because it needs to be a physical, visible assembly of which you can be a physical, visible part. And you need to serve God that way. And if you want God to give you grace... You get grace for grace. 
We have a whole world of investment in New York City, do we not? And the whole idea of an investment is you put $5 in and you're supposed to get $10 back, right? Well, where does all that money come from? Well, that's another sermon for another day. But I'll tell you this, the investing of this world, most of it is simply illusion. The biggest gambling casino in the world is located on Wall Street. And people are deceived and drawn in. And oh yeah, there's a few people that make a lot of money. I never have figured this out. Those people that write these books and said, I've made millions of dollars in the stock market. And I'm going to tell you my secret. Liar, 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 liar. How, how, can you, how can you believe that? If they really had a secret trick that made all that money, they would either be in jail or they'd be very quiet about it because they would be making the money, not you. The only thing they're, they found the secret of making the money, that's selling their secret that won't work to you. Uh, that's how it works. Another sermon, another day. We'll keep moving here. But if you're going to get grace, you've got to start with grace. That's simply what grace for grace means. How did you get saved? By grace through faith. How do you get baptized? Well, you take that grace that God gave you for salvation and you say, I'll be obedient to you and identify with you and your church publicly. And you know what God's going to do? He's going to give you a little more grace because you're going to need more grace to serve in the church. Uh, How many of you like the decorations that put up today? Uh, Isn't that nice? I mean, I, I think it's... Fantastic job. You know who decorated the church? The church did. Uh, Carolina told me uh, Friday night, said, man, this is a great idea, Pastor. I said, it wasn't mine. She says, I know. And, uh, and I'm, I'm sitting here going, yeah, we're, we're, let the people do the work. Hey, that's, what, that's strangely biblical now, isn't it? And we get to enjoy those things together. Striving together to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen. Second Peter 3.18 But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. All God's people said. We, we need to grow in grace, do we not? You, you should have a little bit more at your disposal now than you did uh, when you got saved. You say, well, I've only been saved a few months. Well, you should still have more. I've only been saved a few decades. Well, you should have more. You see, we are to grow in grace. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 3.7. I'm sorry. Likewise, ye husbands... Dwell with them, talking about your wife, not somebody else's, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and being heirs together of the grace of life. What's the last phrase there? That your prayers be not hindered. How many of you would like more grace to pray and get answered prayers? Well, in the home... The husband is supposed to dwell with the wife according to knowledge. Uh, What that simply means is he's supposed to be the leader of the home. But, guys, you're not going to be the leader if you don't have enough brains to get out of a paper sack. Uh, you you got to know where you're going. you got to know what's going on. Leadership must be taken, yes, but it must be earned first. I met a man, he's actually a Baptist preacher for many years. He's home with the Lord now. He was part of General Douglas MacArthur's personal bodyguard. He said, 
to meet that man was to be willing to die for him. Tell you what, that was leadership. And he was no just ordinary Joe. If you knew Jack Caldwell, he was what we would call a man's man. Uh, several, uh, two silver stars, three bronze stars, the Korean equivalent of the Medal of Honor for his work and his uh, performance of his duties in the, in the uh, Korean War. He was a man's man in every sense of the word. And yet he said, when I met that man. You see, Jesus has all the answers. By the way, the New Baptist Times is out there. It's on the Manly Church. Uh, ladies and men, you ought to get a copy of that and read it. There's some good information in there. There's some things that are going to make you stop and think about your position and your service in the church. That's, that's what the Global Independent Baptist Times is for. Now, uh, please, just one per family there, but let's, let's take those and read them because there's some good information. You, you've got to dwell according to knowledge. You know what? It works in the church the same way. You, you've got to know what to do and how to be a part and how to serve. And, and when we live our Christian life, quote-unquote, our own way, what we're doing is we're, we're breaking up God's grace exchange. And He's not going to give it. We're going to have our prayers hindered. How many of you right now would say, Pastor, I have a prayer that needs to be answered? Only three? How, how many of you have something you're seriously praying about? Honestly, this morning, just lift your hand. Uh, let's look at all those hands all over the auditorium. I mean, we have things going on in our life. And if you want those prayers to be answered, you need grace. Well, how are you going to get that? You're going to have to learn how to dwell according to knowledge. You're going to have to stop living for yourself and start living in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Peter, as he's finishing his first letter, he says, By Silvanius, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God, wherein ye stand. We live in a what? Changing world. You know what I want the testimony of Open Door Bible Baptist Church to be? The message of His unchanging grace. You know, we have not had to change our message at all. Some of you will remember, we were members of this church back when 9-11 did happen. And, and I remember going to the preacher's fellowships and First question is, what has changed in New York City since 9-11? Well, everything. What's changed in your church? Nothing. Uh, what? Well, we were already doing what we were supposed to do. We didn't need to change when the emergency came along. We were preaching the same message. We are passing out tracts. We are trying to get people to come into church. We are talking to people about being obedient to the things in the Lord and following the Lord in baptism in church, we're doing the exact same thing we've done for the last 25 years. And by the way, that's what's been going on in Cleveland Baptist Church, my sending church since 1958. And if we open up the Bible, we'll find out that that's where we got our message from. Grace to stand. You know what Peter says in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 5? But the God of all grace who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make ye perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Now, none of us want to suffer. But let me ask you a question. Is there anyone who gets through life without suffering? Saved? Unsaved? Is there anyone who gets through life without suffering? I don't know of one, do you? 
Does anybody know of any examples like that today? But if you'll get God's grace to suffer God's way, He will give you a strength that you cannot get any other way. Grace for grace. If I will surrender the suffering that is in my life to God, what did he tell Paul? My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in what? Say it out loud. Weakness. Weakness. You see, when it's a, I admit that I can't do it, that's what opens the door for God to move. But it takes grace to say, I can't do it. Amen? And when you say you can't do it, God says, I'll take that little grace and I'll give you enough grace to go through this time. That's why James says we can rejoice when we fall into diverse temptations knowing that the trying of our faith worketh what? Patience. And we need to let patience have its work. Because if it does, you will be a gracious person, I promise you. 1 Peter 5, five says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Isn't that just the opposite of what the world teaches us? How many of you have heard the phrase, If you don't toot your own horn, nobody else will. Well, that works very well if you play the saxophone. I'm not sharing reeds with anybody. But in real life, it takes grace to be humble. It takes grace not to promote yourself. It takes grace to be able to say, not my will, but thine be done. It it takes grace not to say... I have my rights. Well, I did, I did this. Shouldn't I get something out of it? Well, let me ask you a question. Is God just? Is the God of the Bible just? He absolutely is. Is He going to treat you unfairly? How could He do that? Well, then how about we humble ourselves in the sight of God and let Him do the lifting up? You see, you take that little bit of grace and say, okay, Lord, I give up. I'm surrendering to you. And He'll give you grace. You say, Lord, I need to grow in grace. He says, well, give me what you have. Lord, all I have is a life. You saved it. Well, said, now you can follow me in baptism. After you've baptized a member of church, you can follow me in service. After you follow me in service, you can work and learn enough of Bible to tell other people how to get saved. And if you've ever had the joy of leading another person to the Lord, oh, that's grace, my friend. That, that is the icing on the cake there. That is the joy and the blessing. Sometimes God calls us to suffer, and if we'll surrender to that suffering, whatever it is, He'll give you more grace. You know why? Because all the fullness of this universe comes from Him. And if you're going to have anything real, anything true, Anything good, it's got to come from Jesus. And all God's people say. One more time. Verse 16, John chapter 1. And of his fullness have all we received, and grace 
for grace. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer this morning. Lord, we just simply ask that you would give us honesty with ourselves, with you, that during this time of invitation, if there be someone sitting here that does not know you as their Savior, that today they'd be willing to surrender themselves to be born again the Bible way, to be saved by God's grace in the finished work of Jesus on the cross, to be saved by grace through faith. Lord, we pray for the majority of the people here today. I know their testimonies. Lord, but we all need more grace. That they would bring that problem, that struggle, maybe that suffering, and simply give it to you. Understanding that All the fullness of this universe comes from you. It cannot even begin to match who you are, and yet it is so far beyond our imagination we cannot even comprehend it. And yet, Lord, we seek for fullness in so many places that it's not found. Help us to wake up. To open our eyes and see that the only thing that we can need is Jesus Christ. We ask that we would stand. That we would ask for grace to dwell according to knowledge both in our homes and in our church, Lord. That we would have grace to pray as you would have us to pray so that you could answer those prayers. Lord, that we would stand unchanging in a changing world. Lord, that we would know and understand that grace only comes by grace. And that we would surrender to you that little that we have that you may give us more than we can even understand. We ask you to work during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.